Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to PCC. It's uh, great to have you here. Thank you for investing part of your weekend here uh, together. It's good to see uh, familiar faces, um, old familiar faces. Uh, I'm going to point out Jeff's back. I I don't know if you wanted anybody to know you were here, but uh, Jeff Freeman's here. So if you didn't know Jeff was here, yeah, I don't know if he needs a round of applause, but yeah. there's a long story there that we don't have time to get into today, but uh, Jeff, it's really, really great to see you, man. It's, uh, it's good to have you back here today. Um, we, we as a church, uh, one of the things we strive to do, our mission is to help people discover and experience the life-changing love of Christ. Um, sometimes we do that really well, and sometimes not so well, uh, but that's what we're striving to do, is uh, to get out of the way and let God shine through us and, and help people really see who God is and what God wants to do in their life. And the, the way we have chosen to do that is to uh, take the life of Jesus as our pattern for life. And we receive his gospel message as a model for this community. And as such, uh, we worship and glorify God as we strive to do three different things. We strive to prioritize being together. Uh, we, we want to spend time together. I, I know that some of you really hate the, the meet and greet time, uh, but it's important that we kind of spend a little bit of time together and get to know each other a little better, so thank you for indulging us in that. But not only here, but in our small groups and, and the various things that we do, uh, it's important that, that we spend time together and, and we make that a priority and, and we invest in each other in that way. We, we also want to hear and respond to, to God's Word, not just read it, but to actually take it in and allow it to affect and shape and mold our life, uh, which is, is why we're talking about the summer series uh, of Shaping Scripture. Uh, we also want to uh, be a tangible presence of grace uh, in our communities and in our world. And we do that through engaging with other people, with nations. It's one of the reasons we're you know, talking about the trip uh, this summer or this fall as we think about taking a, a mission trip and just things like that. But it doesn't have to be a foreign mission trip. We do that in our daily interactions with people as we share his love and his truth with people. And so that's just what we're about and what we're striving to do. I just want to continually remind you of that, remind me of that, remind us of that as we seek to strive to do this together. Today, I really invite you to grab your Bibles and turn to the book of Hebrews. If you don't know where Hebrews is, you kind of go toward Revelation and go backwards. You'll find it relatively quickly. Uh, The book of Hebrews is uh, a great book, and we're going to kick off this series today as we focus in the book of Hebrews. And as we go through this book over the next several weeks, we're going to find this theme, this one theme that is the word better. And that's just the word that that comes out in that all the time is better. And so in order to kind of get us headed in that right direction, I I want us to do a little bit of audience participation. And this is an all play, so everybody can participate. If you're in here, you are able to participate in this. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you five different sets of things or pairs of things, and I'm going to invite you to tell me which one is better. And if I the first item I mention, if you think the first one is better, I want you to raise your hand. Okay? Or if you think the second one is better, I want you to raise your fist. Okay? You guys got that? So, first one better. So, we're going to do a practice. This one doesn't count. So, this is just a trial run to make sure you understand what we're doing. For instance, if I were to say, which is better, Coca-Cola or Pepsi, what would you do? You would raise your hand. Because anyone raising their fist right now is wrong. Because Coca-Cola is clearly better, right? But here's the thing, you're entitled to your opinion no matter how wrong you may be, 
Okay? I just want you to know that going in. Okay, so you need to keep track of how many times you get it right because you want to win because winning is better than not winning, right? Okay, so that one doesn't count. Everybody's at zero. Here's the the pairs of things we're going to look at today. First thing, which is better, vanilla ice cream with chocolate syrup or chocolate ice cream? Okay, got it? Now, not everybody's playing yet. Come on, let's go. Hold them up there. Okay, the correct answer, of course, is vanilla ice cream with chocolate syrup. Okay, so there, you got that right, you got a point. That's better. Okay, second one. Which is better? Now, before we put this on the screen, before I tell you, I know there's other options. Like, there's lots of other ice creams, right? But we just have to compare two things at a time. Okay, so bear with me. Which is better, the Samsung Galaxy phone or the iPhone? Okay? Now, just raise your hand. You can almost see an age difference right there in that answer, but that's okay. All right, so we all know that the correct answer is the iPhone, of course, right? Some of you are like, no, whatever. Okay, so how many points you have? Keep your total. Third, third one here. Which is better, Marvel or DC? You can't ask that. I love my daughter. She's like, you can't ask that. Now, if you're not raising your hand, it may be because you don't know what I'm talking about, and that's... All right, so if you don't know what I'm talking about, raise your hand. Right there. Okay, there you go. That, that explains a lot. Again, probably a generational thing right there. So I don't know the answer to that, so you're right whichever one you put on. All right? Okay, there you go. Uh, fourth one, which is better? And there's some strong opinions about this one in the room. Verizon or Comcast? Some people are like, neither one. I've got Time Warner cable, right? Okay. All right, Good. Uh, I'm going to have to say Verizon because that's what we have because that's what's available in our area. So there you go. Um, Last one, which is better? Again, there are more options than just these, but which is better? Starbucks coffee or Dunkin' coffee? Not everyone's voting. Okay. If you don't like coffee at all, just kind of do this. Maybe that's... Okay, there you go. There's a few people. All right. So here's the deal. The idea of all of this is this. We all have in our mind things that are better than others, right? We think one thing is better than the other, and that's why we, we choose it. The whole idea of this book of Hebrews is built around this very same idea that there's something better than something else, that something or someone is better than something else. And in this case, we're not talking about phones or coffee or food. Instead, the main emphasis is on the fact that Jesus is better than anything else out there, that Jesus is better than anyone else out there. Uh, The letter that expands upon this idea here in, in the book of Hebrews of what is better, it explores how growing is better than stagnation. How new is better uh, than old. How the new covenant is better than the old covenant. How faith is better than law. And how enduring or remaining faithful is better than quitting. And that's a lot to take in. So in an effort to help make all of this book make sense, we wanted to, to do something that would be helpful to give us a basic overview of the entire letter. The problem is that to try to give you this type of overview in a short period of time is like trying to take a drink from a fire hose. Okay? And we should have a picture of that, Cole. If you've ever tried to take a drink out of a fire hose, it just doesn't work really well. But if, you, if, if you're not familiar with the book of Hebrews, and if you want to seek to really understand what it means and not just kind of read through it, it really is wise to seek to have an overview before diving into really looking at the book. So in an effort to help us obtain an overview, 
in a timely manner, in a way that we can understand and comprehend. I'm going to try something just a little bit different here this morning. I was introduced to this resource called The Bible Project a while back. And The Bible Project is a nonprofit animation studio that produces short-form, fully animated videos to make the biblical story accessible to everyone everywhere. That's their motto. That's their mission. Their goal is to show that the Bible is a unified story that leads to Jesus. And if you go to their website and look stuff up, they have daily videos to watch as well as a plan to read through the Bible in a year. And it's really quite interesting all that they have done and all that they continue to do uh, with the Scriptures. And as I was looking at these projects, I found this impressive video that gave a really good animated overview of the book of Hebrews. They did it in a short period of time, and they did it probably better and more entertaining than I could, right? So, this morning, uh, we're going to jumpstart our book study of Hebrews by watching this uh, short little video clip, and so I invite you to buckle up and uh, get ready for the water hose or the fire hose, and let's take a drink. Uh, Why don't we show that video, Cole? Yeah. So, did you get all that? That's a lot to take in, isn't it? And so as I listened to that and I thought, okay, what parts of that should I share? I was like, yeah, just share that. That's so much easier, right? It's amazing when you take uh, that brief word of exhortation and you, you know, if you look at it in your Bible, you're like, that's not real brief, right? It's not, and it's contained so much information and so much that that we can and we're going to dive into it. And and honestly, we're not going to be able to do it justice, but we're, we're going to seek to dive into it. Uh, and we're going to begin this morning. I just want to take a few moments and double back on a couple of things that uh, he shared in the text and in the video that I think are important as we begin to launch our study. And so we're going to expand upon them. It centers around this idea that God has spoken. God has spoken, and that is a significant and important thing that we need to, to kind of keep in the back of our minds as we walk through this entire book that God has spoken, that Jesus is better, and it builds on everything that we're going to do this morning. I want to look at the first three verses of chapter 1 and look at how that really impacts the message and how he sets it up for the entire rest of this study. So look with me at Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. The text says this, In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of of the majesty in heaven. And from these three verses, I want to point out two key elements that provide a challenge for us this morning moving forward. The first element is how the text says God has spoken. I'm going to say that a handful of more times, so hopefully by the time you get done today, you're going to remember, if nothing else, you're going to remember, God has spoken, all right? God has spoken. And if we could stop for just a moment. And if we could kind of get rid of everything else that we were thinking about and and clear our minds and our thoughts of all the ideas and really comprehend the significance of what this means, I think we would be overwhelmed. To think about the fact that God the creator, God the giver and sustainer of life, God has spoken 
to us. First, he spoke to us through our forefathers, or to our forefathers through the prophets. And here's where we get our first glimpse that the author was writing this to a Jewish audience who understood the Old Testament and especially the Torah. God revealed himself from the time of Moses through the time of Malachi through the prophets. That's the way God chose to do it. Through prophets like Isaiah and Daniel and Moses and Deborah and Nathan and Elijah, Jonah and Joel, just to name a few, and there's several others. And when the prophets spoke, they didn't necessarily do so to tell the future, right, or predict what was going to happen. Instead, what they were seeking to do was to reveal to us, reveal to the people the nature of God. The prophets spoke on behalf of God, primarily so the people would know the covenant that God was making with his people. It's the first covenant. What we call the old covenant is the foundation for Judaism. So God spoke to the forefathers through the prophets, But the text says, in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. And that phrase, he has spoken to us in these last days by his son, I want to make three quick points. The first one is last days. Now, you have to be sure to read it in the right context of what they're referring to, what the author. The phrase last days is not referring to the end of time, right? We have language in the scriptures that talk about the end of time, but that's not what's happening here. Instead, he's, the, the author's talking about these last few years or this last period of time. In the past, God spoke through the prophets. But in these last days, in the recent history that we've all experienced, is what the author is saying, that God revealed himself through his son. And this is important to keep in mind because it sets the framework that the author is working in for the rest of uh, this letter. Number two, God has spoken. You getting the, the, the message here? This is significant that God has spoken. He spoke. God knew to whom he was speaking. He knew that he wanted to reveal himself to people. And he did so in such a way that made it possible for people to know him to trust him, to obey him, and to enter into a relationship with him. God spoke in many different ways, but now God spoke through Jesus, his son. That's point number three. And this is a game changer. When God chose to speak through his son, Jesus, it changed everything. Uh, Prior to Jesus, uh, the, the revelation of God was partial Uh, It was a partial revelation. And now through Jesus, we see more of the characteristic and the nature of who God truly is. One of the things I found interesting is in the scriptures, we see that it's only because God chose to reveal himself more fully through his son Jesus, that is how we have the opportunity to know him more fully. He came to us and thus provided a way for us to have that relationship with him. And then through the scriptures, we continue to see the revelation of God revealing to us who Jesus is through his teachings so that we can more clearly and completely understand him. Uh, Through the scriptures, we see his life and his death and his life again. We see how Jesus is the heir to the kingdom, and we read in Romans chapter 8, verse 17, that we also are heirs because we've been made co-heirs with Christ. And this is significant when you consider all the things this letter says about Jesus and all the things that we're going to talk about, all the things that you can read about as you read through the letter. The identity of Jesus is the second key element to explore. 
Uh, this, this identity uh, is explained in the Scripture. It's also uh, found in the, the video we watched. There are two bold descriptions of Jesus found here in verse 3, that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and that he's the exact representation of his being. I really love this, this artistic drawing, this, this picture, because it paints the picture really well of these two characteristics. The idea is that when you look at God and you try to see God, it's like looking at the sun Because what you actually see are the rays coming off of the sun, the light coming off of the sun, and that is Jesus shining through in his radiant glory. And when you look at Jesus, what you see is his imprint on people and on the world, and when you see that, you're actually seeing God because they are one in the same. Which means, as Jesus, through his love for us, as he gave his life for us on the cross, he did for us what we could not do for ourselves. God, through the new covenant established by Jesus, made redemption possible. And when that was accomplished, he sat down next to his Father in heaven. And here's here's the thing. If the fact that God spoke to us through his Son, Jesus, and in his love he's given his life for us and offered us redemption and relationship, if that doesn't doesn't kind of get into your heart and give you just a little bit of energy and and, and make you just a a little excited, then maybe you're just not reading it right or maybe you're just not getting it because this this is big. What the author of Hebrews is telling his audience is a huge thing for them to understand and to come to grips with. God, the creator of life, the giver and sustainer of life, he spoke to us through his son to reveal to us his nature and his love and his grace and his mercy. And he gives us an invitation to walk in relationship with him. He gives us forgiveness of sins and a life that begins today and blends into all eternity. And that means that because God spoke and demonstrated his love for us through his son Jesus, we should probably listen to him, right? And that is part of of the point of this. God spoke, and we should listen. And so the question we have to listen, or we have to answer, is this. Are are we going to listen to him? Are we willing to listen to him? Are, Are we willing to accept what Jesus says to us through his word? How he is the way and the truth and the life. How he came to give us life and life to the full, and how we are invited into a relationship with him. Are we willing to listen to him or to walk on our own path? Are we willing to li- listen to what he says, to test and see that the Lord is good, or will we dismiss him and follow our own path or the path of others? Often people uh, are afraid when they have this idea of listening to or hearing from God. I've talked to people who, who are afraid of what they believe God might say to them, right? If they were ever to actually have that conversation with God, they're afraid of what God might actually say or do to them. And, and, and what I want you to hear is this. If you hear from God, there is no reason to fear. Because God has revealed himself through his son Jesus, and we see Jesus telling people, all people everywhere, I love you, I forgive you, I want a relationship with you, I desire for us to walk together, I want to give you life and life to the full, I want you to share in my glory and to be witnesses to all people of what I have done and what I can continue to do. That's what God wants to say. That's what God has said through his son Jesus, and we are invited to listen to him. God spoke. He has spoken. And will we listen to him? This morning, as as we think about what it means for us to respond to the Lord, there, there are many different ways in which we can do that. 
Sometimes it has to be more than just the words we say. It's in the actions that we take. One action we take is as we respond to what God is doing in our life, we can respond by giving him thanks, by participating in communion. One of the ways that we do that is when we take of the bread, which represents his body, and the juice, which represents his blood, we are saying, I acknowledge what Jesus has done. Out of his love for us, he gave all he could give so that we could celebrate and have life and have life to the full. We celebrate the relationship we have with him. We celebrate the fact that he was alive and he was killed and he is alive again and, and we have hope because of him. We celebrate the love he demonstrated for us. And so in just a moment, uh, the kids are going to be passing the two trays, one containing bread, the other containing juice. And as they're passed, we invite you as believers to take of the bread, to eat it, to take of the juice and drink it, to celebrate and remember what God has done for us because of his great love for us, because he has spoken and he's given us his life and his love. Let's pray together, and then we'll partake of communion together this morning. Father God, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to respond to you in a way that that you've asked us to do so. You've invited us, Father. Your word tells us that as we partake and, and participate in this, that we proclaim you, we proclaim your love for us until you return. And so, Father, as we partake, may you be pleased with us. We know that you are, Father, because of your love. Because of your love, we celebrate. Because of your love, we give you thanks. We love you, Father. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.